And welcome to We Are The People Radio. It is Thursday, December 15th. And I got to give a shout out to my mom. It's her birthday. I know she's always listening. Happy birthday, mom. Love you. Uh, today, you can follow us again on YouTube. Do a search for We Are The People Radio. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the major stations. We're out there. Uh, but we do encourage YouTube. That way you can see our incredible guests. You can see our content, the videos we play. So check us out. Um, and again, go to our website, wearethepeople.org. And uh, really the end goal of, of this uh, show is to get people to know what's going on in our backyard. Um, <clears throat> You know, our country can only be fixed if people stand up and fight to get their backyards under control. And the purpose of, of where the people is, is to do that, is to expose the corruption in our backyards and empower, you know, we the people to stand up and, and fight. Uh, today, we've got a, a really cool show. Um, I have uh, a couple incredible women that uh, we're going to have, that are going to be here with us. Um, and to, to me, this is a fascinating it's, I love having these women on here because, you know, when I was running for office, it was really powerful because it was always, and, and before and for office, when you really looked at who was involved, uh, who was standing up and fighting, when you'd go to the Capitol, when you'd, you know, when you'd go to these, the protests during the, all the lockdowns, it was a bunch of moms. It was like the moms were, were the ones leading the charge. And, um, and it was always inspiring to me to see, the, you know, these strong women standing up and fighting for their children. And uh, obviously, one of my calls during the campaign is always to tell the men, "Come on, like let's step up and let's let's uh, let's get involved. Let's 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 lead the charge. Let's you know let's you know instead of sitting back at home, let's stand up and fight." So I've been very inspired by a lot of these very strong women. And in Utah, we have, I really think, some of the strongest women in the country here in Utah. I mean, it really is cool. I mean, you you're gonna you know hear from. Uh, both from two very powerful women here in a minute. I'm going to inter introduce them, but um, but today that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, and we've got uh, Sheree McWilliams who reached out to me uh, on uh, our social media on on our uh, Instagram channel. We are the people. Um, ut, and she told me about his organization called Mom Army, and I was like, that's awesome. It's it's a national organization. So I thought let's uh, let's bring her on. So we're we're gonna have uh, you know her talk about Mom Army here in a minute, and I thought you know what if we're gonna talk about Mom Army, if we're gonna talk about Mom standing up, uh, there's if there's there's one person I know that's a real powerhouse that understands the corruption here in Utah, uh, who's been in the fight, who can uh, really explain how bad things are here in our backyard, and that's Monica Wilbur. So um, <clears throat> so let's start off. Let's. Uh, Monica, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. Really appreciate it. Oh, we're glad to have you. And then Cherie, awesome to have you for our first time. Monica's been with us at least once before, and uh, she's been amazing. So it's good to have you back. Good to be here. Uh, Monica, tell us your story. Tell us how you got in the fight. Uh, well, I went to a board meeting about a year and a half ago, and my life has not been the same since. Um, I've learned a lot about the school system. I've learned a lot about... Uh, how parents are just really frustrated um, because they feel like their their voices aren't being heard. And there's a really good reason for that. 
Um, we have a lot of, it's not just one school system. There are lots of systems that are working together um, to basically frustrate the voice of parents so that social agendas can be advanced. And um, they're not homegrown social agendas. They're somebody else's. So these are globalist agendas. These are national agendas. And that's what we're facing right now. Yeah, it's awesome. And that's one of the things I love about, you know, both of you in particular is, you know, the way we're going to get this country back is not by politicians. It's it's not uh, Donald Trump or, or DeSantis that's going to save this country. It's it's going to be regular people standing up and doing their part. And I love that, you know, both of you, you know, I mean, what, three, four years ago, you were not really involved politically. Is that correct? Uh, I've always been following politics here in Utah, um, been involved with my kids, with their schools, um, just on a more personal level. Uh, I used to teach high school, so I have an idea of kind of how it used to be. Yeah. And so this is one of the, you know, we're just in a time and in a place where we're not finding we have many real choices before us, even though we're being presented with so many options, there are really few choices. Right. Yeah. But I love it, though, because you went from, you know, kind of uh, being involved at one level to, like, like really getting in the fight and making a massive difference. And I think that's what people need to see is, you know what, because there's a lot of people who see a problem and say, well, what can I do? And, and I say, you know, you know, look at Monica. Look what you've done. You know, look at Lisa Logan. Look at, I mean, Natalie Klein. Look at some of these, these great, powerful, you know, leaders here in the state who have who are just regular moms who have just said, you know what, I'm going to do more than just get frustrated. I'm going to stand up and do something. And, and you guys are, in, are doing incredible things. Well, we have so many moms. I mean, I could spend this whole hour just going down the list. There are so many who are involved behind the scenes. And um, it wouldn't. It would be a very different scenario right now without them. So yeah. I'm grateful. Yeah. So on, and then um, Cherie. She, uh, she's, she's fun. That's one of the reasons I was wanted to have her on here is, uh, she, she definitely a few years ago was not uh, standing up fighting for conservative values. In fact, a few years ago, uh, and I'm going to have her tell a story. She was on the other side of the fence as a devout, strong feminist. Yes. Yes, I was. And, and living in California <laughs> with, with all the commies out there, right? Yeah, uh, California, New York. And New York. And D.C. Okay, oh, that's super. And then San Francisco and West Hollywood. Okay, so, so all the liberal areas. See, my wife's from New York, and it's funny because you get out there in New York, and it's like they all think the same. same. I think, I don't know if it's something in the water. It's, you know what it is? It's crowds. It's, it's group think. It's real. Oh, 100%. So tell uh, I want to I want to hear take some time to hear your story because you told it to me when we were talking on the phone, kind of setting this up a little bit about your story about how you traverse such a huge gap, um, and I thought it was awesome. So tell us how you went from being a raging liberal <laughs> feminist to now standing up fighting for the kids. And a, a, a few things. So I've kay. always been very politically involved, even when I was on the left. Um, I volunteered at Obama's inauguration. I've always been very politically focused. And I think I just started to wake up about nine years ago. Mm. I was diagnosed with two chronic health issues. I was being told you're gonna be on medication for the rest of your life. And it was very daunting. I wasn't given any other options. So that kind of started me questioning the mainstream narrative when it came mm. to big pharma. Um, fast track three years ago, 2020, I Really, I was in a bubble, right? You live in an echo chamber. Everybody that I knew really validated my beliefs. 
And then I started to see things. This is in California. California. Validated your beliefs about like, Uh, where were you at the time? Everything. I just think the mainstream narrative. I was indoctrinated. I went up through my master's. So I was indoctrinated in the school system first off. And then culturally just being surrounded by people that were believed on the left, very liberal ideologies. Um, And then COVID hit 2020. And I lived in fear for about two months and started to slowly wake up to Mm. the agenda that was being pushed. So that paired with the riots that happened in the summer, um, I was seeing things real time on social media and there were lies being pushed and so much propaganda being pushed on the mainstream media. So starting to question and kind of push back, um, it was a very big internal struggle for me. So when you woke up politically, um, was it one particular event or something specific that happened or was it kind of just, how did that, I mean, how did that happen for you? Well, seeing one news reporters describe the riots of 2020. Was it the riots? Was it the riots that did it for you? As peaceful. And then I'm seeing real time social media. Well, that's not the case. This, This isn't peaceful. Cities are burning down. Why are they lying? And then I really started to think outside the box and started to follow more conservative Mm. um, influencers. And it was hard. It was a really big internal battle because I felt like I was betraying myself, my own values, my own morals. When you're told that you're on the right side of history, right, you're a social justice warrior, you're doing everything to advocate for those that are less fortunate, that was my mindset. So to take a step back, reevaluate, and then move forward on a very lonely path because it's very, you know, you it's a solo awakening. Nobody else is going through that with you. So it's very lonely, um, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful and everything, I will do anything for my kids. So all of that happening, being pregnant with my son, having my daughter um, who was just a year old, I really had to take a step back and say everything that I'm doing is for them and on their behalf. And if we don't take ownership and accountability and take back our culture, because that's what it is right now, it's a culture war. Everybody could talk about politicians and legislation, and yes, that affects us, but it starts with culture. So that's a big thing to me. Uh, We talk a lot about culture. Um, In fact, one of the things we talk about is that politics is downstream from culture, and one of the things that we know is if we're going to win this fight, you have to win the culture war. Um, So I'm a big believer in that. So tell me why you say that. What, what, What brought you to that idea because we're losing the culture war big time especially well as a nation and and especially here in utah so what what brought you to that and why do you why do you say that about the culture being so important the the reason why the left is winning is because they're winning the minds and hearts of young people that's why they're winning the left mobilizes very well because they speak to the youth of the next generation and that's what we're losing we are using losing our children and we are losing the youth, we're losing our future. And that's what they want to win. Because if they win our future, they win everything, right? And the left does that really, really strategically and really well. So as parents, we have to take ownership. We have to take our culture back. Um, And I think the confusion with conservative movement, and so many people think it's still white old men, and that's just not the case. There is so much diversity in our movement. And I think that we have to really showcase that, and that's one way that we could win this culture war. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And um, the neat thing is I think there's a counterculture movement that's organically already happening. Like there's a lot of these kids at the colleges that have been pushed too far, that are tired of the of just 
the garbage. I mean, the gender stuff. I mean, it's like it's you, you, you push people to a certain point, and at some point they say enough's enough. And I think we're there. And that's what's exciting is, is it, I mean, it's the, culturally, it, that's what always blew my mind is because I think for young people, it's, there's this natural tendency to fight against the man, right? To fight against the establishment. And I think the establishment has kind of twisted over the years. They started out with the 60s and 70s of, of the, the real, well, actually 60s, 70s, the man was still this, the government. But I think that it's been interesting over the last, you know, decade, they've got really twisted the man to be cons- the conservative principles this country is founded upon and our, and our ancestors and, and religion and values. And the government has kind of snuck in behind and acted like the, you know, the, the uh, cool cultural driven the cultural side which with the lgbt movement but a lot of these kids are waking up and seeing that the man really is the government that the government is really the one driving and manipulating us so i think there's there's it's time for that counter movement but it has to be you know because we used to say why is it only the same thousand people that show up and say all the protests it's the same thousand people and I think the part of the problem is the cultural thing. I think these young people just see, you know what? Those people are, that's my parents, that's my grandparents, that's, they can't relate. Yeah. And I think what we've got to do is make standing up and fighting and exposing corruption cool. And it has to be something they can relate to. They're, they're proud to stand up and do that, not and something they can relate to doing. And I think it's all going to have to be a cultural war. And uh, so I'm with you. Okay, so I interrupted you. So, so you see the cultural war. So, all right. So, you start to wake up. You're doing. You recognize you got to fight for your kids. Um, then go on. Well, I just see very sinister, insidious attacks on children, and it's coming from all angles. Everything from child sexual abuse, um, trying to normalize pedophilia. Um, you know, the thing with Balenciaga that we just saw that huge yeah. holiday campaign. So, it's all of these attacks that are very sinister. They're coming from every angle. And I always say, if we're not empowered as parents, our children cannot be empowered. So we need to be not just aware and involved, we need to advocate for our kids. We need to give pushback because if these things are gonna be culturally acceptable, it's a slippery slope. So they're gonna start pushing the envelope and pushing the needle. And if we just allow it, okay, well, we're gonna just take one more step forward, right? So um, I think it takes, it could take one or two generations for certain things to be normalized and they cannot be. Children are innocent. They deserve their innocence to be protected. And that's why we're here. That's really what drew me to Mom Army, was to protect the innocence of children and stop validating adults. Okay. I love it. And so how long have you been here in Utah? About a year and a half. So okay. relatively new. Welcome to Utah. <laughs> Thank you. I think a lot of people, you know, when we talk about Utah and a lot of, you know, Californians moving to Utah, <laughs> the, the Californians get a bad rap. But what I have found is... <clears throat> I really think there's a gathering here in Utah of patriots who are being drawn here. Um, there are so many like people who have left the tyranny of Washington, Oregon, uh, California, New York, who are coming here because they thought it was a place of freedom and a red state. Then they get here and they find out it ain't so conservative. Sorely disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but I'll tell you what. Because we talk in this on this show about corruption in Utah, and it is one of the most corrupt states. But I will tell you what the reason I don't, you know, leave, because we could easily go back to Florida and live there. Um, but I, but I'll tell you, we have so many patriots here, 
that if, like we were talking about before the show, if we can get organized and work together instead of fighting amongst ourselves, this is the place. I mean, if there's one place where you have enough people who could, who really believe in freedom, it's here. And if we can get organized here, I mean, this is where this, this is where the fire of liberty could be reignited is right here in Utah. Um, But we also have some of the deepest corruption. So it's, this is honestly an awesome place to be. So we're glad you're here. Um, and Mom Army is, is doing that. So tell us about um, what is Mom Army? Tell us about that. Of course. So we are officially launching next month. Okay. But our goal is to get a million moms and allies who are fierce warriors to protect kids and their innocence. Like I just said, there's so many attacks happening against children. So if we can unite, which has been such a struggle, um, but really just unite and focus on children. We don't care about your political ideology, your history, your race, nothing. We just want people that are fierce warriors here to protect kids. That's the mission. So you've been here for a year and a half. Um, you've been politically you know, conservative for a, a couple of years beyond that. And before the show, you talked about you know the left being organized and, and the right being fractured. What brought you, I mean, how, how did you come to see the fracturing in the right? Because I have experience on the left, um, I, it was so easy to mobilize people. I mean, and I still, I stay very informed because I don't ever want to live in an echo chamber. So I stay very informed on what's happening on the left. And people are willing to leave their home state and go and flip a state blue. They are willing to sacrifice for a larger purpose. You don't see that type of mobilization and passion on the right in the same way. Um, It's so fractured, like you said. There's so much petty argument, and I don't know if it's ego or pride. I don't really know what the root cause of it is, but we all need to unite to protect children. For me, that's the focus. Why do you think it is? Why do you think the the right is so fractured? Well, I think— Part of the right's natural mentality and mindset is that we are independent thinkers. Yeah. We like to think for ourselves. We tend to reject groupthink. We tend to reject collectivist efforts to organize. And we, I think we tend to reject that our salvation can be found in a single system. And so sometimes when somebody sets themselves up as the leader, we tend to question well, are they a good leader? Is that somebody we really should be following? What's behind it? We, we tend to question, and that's right. a good thing. That that's not a necessarily thing. a bad thing. Um, but I don't think necessarily that we're as fractured as I think we think we are. And sometimes I believe that um, there are people who don't really understand really the principles of conservatism. And so they believe in families. They believe in in being able to worship as you want to, but maybe they don't necessarily understand how the government has stepped in and tried to co-opt a lot of those very personal systems and make them theirs. And then they sell them back to the parents as, here, this is our plan for you. This is how we're going to engage families. And so maybe that's in part why we're a little bit divided, because I think we have those on the right who have bought into the idea that government systems can save us from government systems. Mm. And so we, I think we have had some people who have been a little bit co-opted that way. Well, I think we're going to see it get worse. Yeah. And, and I think it's intentional. And I, I might, one of my concerns, and this is for another show, but uh, I think the whole setting up the Ron DeSantis against Trump 
-hmm. is going it is the, the Republican Party is already fractured the Democratic Party is dominating right now the Republican Party is in trouble it's fractured it's fractured with rhinos it's fractured between conservatives um, and I think this whole pitting Trump against DeSantis is is designed for one thing which is to fracture us even more um, and I and I'm quite concerned about it on a national and a, and a local level. But regardless, um, that's another conversation. Um, Mom Army. So this is a national organization. <clears throat> yes. Uh, tell us who's who's leading this. Uh, Seek Smith. She is absolutely phenomenal. So she's our founder, and she has 15 years just fighting, protecting children, and fighting child trafficking, child childhood sexual abuse. We're really unique because we have about 70% survivor-led. Uh, we're a 70% survivor-led organization. So what that means is so many of these moms and warriors are coming from child abuse themselves, mm. um, trafficking themselves. So they have a fierce passion just to protect kids and, and really change the trajectory of what is being normalized and what's being pushed on them from an academic perspective, a cultural perspective, a social perspective. So everything from gender ideology, which we spoke about briefly before, to child sexual abuse, um, to things just being normalized. And you guys actually, are, even though you're not officially organized yet, you guys held an event a couple weeks ago uh, to protest uh, the Balencia. Yeah, Balenciaga. So we did 20, about 25 cities uh, in the U.S. and Canada. And we mobilized a nationwide protest in five days. I love it. Uh, you know, I'm all about people standing up, you know, and on the feet, on their feet, on the streets. I think that's, look at Brazil, you know, people, that's, that is, it's not about sitting at home and, and liking stuff on Facebook. It's about being out, being seen. And I think if we're going to get this country, it's going to be on the streets, on our feet again. All right. So why, the, let's, now let's get specifically. All right. So I love, love Mom Army. love the idea of it. Why Utah? Why should our listeners, you know, I know, we've got tons of mothers who are listening to this, tons of women and men, obviously, but why, why is it an issue in here in Utah? Um, yeah, why Utah? Let's start. Tell me your thoughts on why Utah. I think Utah is very unique. We have the highest percentage of children, right? So you okay. think that that would motivate more parents to get involved. Um, there are more families in Utah, more kids under the age of 18. So I feel like there are so many children that are vulnerable here. And if, again, if we're not empowered as parents, our children cannot be empowered. So we have to activate and we have to step up in, in response to the attacks. And I think so many okay. people live either in denial or in fear. Um, but I know that there's a huge amount of parents that can step up and, and, and act on behalf of their children. There are. And I think this, I think this should be a state where something like the mom army should be stronger than maybe any other state because you do have so many mothers here and so many mothers that believe in the principles of, uh, you know, of, of faith and God and, and the traditional values this country is founded upon. Now, <clears throat> Monica, you know this state better than most. Tell us um, what, should, what should people be concerned about? Why should you know, parents be concerned? Is there really an issue with our children? Um, is there really a need to stand and fight? Yes, there is a very urgent need to stand and fight. And uh, I don't think people really realize that we're in the middle of what is essentially a parent replacement plan. Uh, the state, the schools, we have a captured audience in these kids, and they know it. And so 
the efforts of the schools and the state to uh, you know, inculcate their own values um, through social emotional learning, through critical race theory, through diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, that's all very deliberate. It's all very much by design. And it's a part of a larger strategic plan that's been going on for decades. Decades. This didn't start <clears throat> with COVID. This didn't start with Common Core. This didn't even start with the Improving American Schools Act back in 1995, which helped kind of nationalize education. This happened a long time before that. And we're just reaching kind of the culmination of the end game here. We're seeing a lot of effort, a lot of um, money, and a lot of power being leveraged in order to keep kids basically trapped into the school system, uh, to make parents you know, feel fear that if they were to take their kids out, they couldn't possibly succeed. That if they take them out, oh, they just won't have all the uh, other opportunities that kids in the system will have. They're creating this like really evil sense of FOMO in parents mm. and parents really need to have confidence in their in themselves in their god-given abilities to do what needs to be done you mentioned faith family and freedom um, those are those are the very institutions those on the left are trying to tear down and so those are our very weapons against all their efforts and their strategies and their tactics in order to you know take our place we just can't let that happen. Yeah. You sent us a video. Savannah, do we have that uh, video? Let's, <clears throat> let's play that video. And, um, and then I want to have you kind of give us your thoughts on this. Go ahead, Savannah. Let us know when it's ready. Yep. The problem, why would they want to own education, you might ask? Well, gosh, I can't imagine why. Hitler said once, he who owns the youth owns the future. You also own the past, because when you decide what education is, you also decide what history to teach, what culture to pass on. And that means you can rewrite the past, which helps you own the future. Seconds are left. It's the oldest reason in the book. Why this is so shocking to people, I do not know. So why would they use critical theories like critical race theory and intersectional theory and gender theory and all these things? Because it alienates children from their own identities as individuals and alienates them from their families, which would be their gut check against tyranny. There's ample evidence throughout history that totalitarians want to separate children from their families so they can more easily brainwash them and turn them into units of the state, loyal to whatever the political agenda is. So they atomize us, they prevent us from forming community, they prevent, us, our, prevent our children from having any knowledge or competency as individuals, orient them towards their groups and identities, and the job's half done. The other half, social-emotional learning. That rewires their brains quite literally to be other-centric, to be social justice-oriented and not thinking of their own personal and individual justice and relations and the people in power. And data is going to be the currency of the future. So it helps them sort our children into skills and competencies so they can decide what they should do for a living in the future and whether they should have any financial or political power, depending how well the rewiring of the go, the individualism, mm-mm, sorry, low score for you. So you don't own education. Every problem you're pointing at, you don't like this, you don't like that, you don't like sex in the classroom, you don't like porn in the library. You don't own it. That's the reason, politicians. Boom. Jeez. <laughs> right. Deb Feldman I'm, really makes the point, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. I'm like trying to like 
Like, yeah. I mean, everything she said was like power. Yes, yes. And she's right. We don't own education. We don't own these systems. And yet somehow it's kind of like, you know, to get a little biblical, it's like a, a dog back to its vomit. We keep thinking that, well, maybe, and, and in a part, it's, it's the fact that we're human beings and we have faith in people. <laughs> we're like decent people. We'd like to hope other people will be decent back, that other people are acting with the, I don't know, the well-being of our children as, as the end goal for for whatever it is they're there for. And, and yet we have to really accept the reality that that's not the case. The schools don't serve our children. They don't serve families. And it's patently obvious because you go and say, hey, there's an issue. And there are so many... Um, there are so many ways that they are able to circumvent parents. There are so many you know, ways they pay lip service to your engagement with the process. And yet, at the end of the day, they'll give you, you know, a little, they'll give you a little Scooby snack and say, here, here's your, here, this makes you feel good. And we'll give you this much of what you need. And then you go back and you're realizing, well, that doesn't take care of the problem. And, the school systems are run by these outside uh, private-public partnerships. They've already gotten in bed with government. They are making lots of money off our kids' data. They're making lots of money off of curriculum. They're making lots of money off these data platforms and um, you know these longitudinal data systems that track our kids. It, we don't own it. You said something that stuck out to me. <clears throat> we want to believe that people are good. We want to believe that the school systems have our children's best interest in mind. Um, <clears throat> I think that's one of the big problems in Utah. I think in Utah where we, we lack that, you know, not that it's always good to be cynical, but it is good to be aware. And <clears throat> I think one of the things in Utah is we tend to just believe everybody's good and that uh, everybody is innately good and that's just not true um we are not innately good um in fact you know quite the quite the contrary we are innately evil you know it's the natural tendency is to do is to do evil uh it takes no effort uh to wake up and and make bad decisions that's the easy path is to make bad decisions, to do what feels good, to do what's what you're <clears throat> what is to move downward. It takes effort to move up, to be good, to be wholesome. And I think when we live in a community where there's so many people who have values, we just assume everybody are is good. Well, <laughs> no. Right. The reality is there are p evil people who are seeking to overthrow this country, who are seeking to destroy our children. They're using the school system to do it. And when we want to just blindly just, you know, say, oh, well, what's going on in our school? There are all these teachers that are good. Yes, they may have good teachers and everyone does have good in them, but there is true evil. There is true, you know, uh, nefarious things happening in our schools and it is exact same things that happen in Germany. It's exact same things that happen in Russia. I mean, this is you know, all it's it's in fact it's a little bit, it's a little bit ignorant to think that there is not that type of evil happening when history shows when when the people take their hands off the government, the government enslaves the people. That's always happened through history, and we just tend to think that these government-run schools 
there's no nefarious, you know, and again, it blows my mind. Right, right. Well, and you make a really good point. It's that, you know, we, we are in the middle of a big spiritual battle, and we keep framing it in terms of policy and, you know, and, and, and practices and procedures, but this is a spiritual battle, and we, honestly, we need to turn to God for a lot of the answers, and we're not. And I believe we're suffering the wrath of, of God as a result. There are so many, you know, we, we, you never read in the Bible God saying, oh, I've heard the cries of my people, and I have sent them a government system to save them, huh. right? We need to turn to him, and we need to look for the answers, and we need to listen to our consciences. We need to get back to the very basics, the fundamental, simple things uh, that constitute learning and loving our families, and what does that really look like? Do you honestly need a school system to tell you how to engage with your student? That's a little bit, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely non-intuitive. Like, that is not how it works. But yet, they're positioning themselves as the experts. The governor just recently launched, Governor Cox, he re recently launched an Office of Families. Um, what is this Office of Families? <laughs> well, it's headed up by Amy Winder Newton, who is a Salt Lake uh, City uh, or a Salt Lake County Councilwoman. And the idea is to help provide parents with uh, state supports, I guess you could say, in, including on mental health issues, um, on social media, and you name it. Um, this is an awful idea. I'm not quite sure what inspired this, but... Um, Parents need to understand that the last thing they want is the state's agents to be in your home assessing your babies for their for mental health issues from ages zero to three. Um, that's absolutely ridiculous. Early childhood interventions are a big push in Utah right now as a part of the trauma-informed Utah effort. We are in trouble. We are in trouble, and parents need to wake up. And, and the most disturbing thing about this, if you ask me, is, is the whole fact that they usually, when they, when they launch these initiatives, they target the populations they think are the least likely to resist. So they target people who are poor. They target people who are not native English speakers. They, they target people who uh, are ethnic minorities. And, you know, and then they just expand the program out from there, saying, look at all the community buy-in we've got. Look at all these families we are serving. Um, you know. And this is from the yeah. same governor <clears throat> who likes to use pronouns yes. and who was pushing the uh, transgender, you know, bill so that uh, they could have men in our daughter's locker rooms. Yes. And, and this is supposedly the governor and, and Amy Widner-Newton, who has been lockstepping, you know, right with him on all these things. I mean, she's no saint by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And they're supposedly leading up this, uh, what is this office again? This office of Families, which if you, like, look at the initials, it's like, oof, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong, <laughs> right? Yeah. So a lot, a lot. When we start letting the state overstep its bounds right there there needs to be that separation of state and family right and this is uh, you know this is why we they don't one of the things that uh, she said at the beginning of the video or she was alluding to is a george orwell quote that he who controls the the uh 
uh, past controls the future, and, and he who controls the present controls the past. Uh, that is the... This is the thing that uh, Stalin, that Lenin, that Marx understood is, is if you want to control society, you have to control the education systems. You have to, you have to destroy the family, and, you, and the state must assume control of the raising of the kids and indoctrinating them. Uh, it's interesting because religious organizations understand just as well as, as tyrannical governments, there is nothing more sacred than the youth because you control the youth, you control the way they think, you control society, you control the future. And isn't it so interesting that, you know, especially I'm talking to, to mothers here, that the, that the world will tell you that there's nothing, in, that, that raising, that there's no value in being a mother. There's no value in raising children. Your real value comes from being outside of the home. And whether it's flipping burgers or, or you know, doing, you know, menial work or whatever it is, attorney, whatever, that's where your worth comes from. That's where your value comes from. But on the flip side, what is our government obsessed with? Children. They want your children. Yes. There is nothing more important to them than than having control of raising those children from you know from the youngest age to, to preschools to controlling the schools. They want those kids and they want you out of the picture. And yes. it's funny as women don't see that. I mean, what that must have been a, a mind flip for you growing up, you know, more feminist to having that flip. A hundred percent. So I was raised by a single mom raising three kids. She worked full time. She didn't have a choice. So when I became a mom, I have my master's. I'm making six figures. Mm. I am at the peak of my career. I'm going to work. And I'm so empowered to do that. That was my right. mindset. Right. And then when I woke up, my kids are the center of my world. And I want to be there for them because they have one childhood. But it was a huge shift. And it was daunting. And it was, I felt like I lost my identity. But now I'm so grateful because they are my purpose. And um, I think when you start to take ownership as a parent, you start to bring everything back home, the values, the morals, everything. I homeschool now, which going for my master's, I could never have pictured doing that. I started a college fund for my daughter before she was born because I was so determined that she was going to go to school. Um, but with that being said, I think when we really take a step back and we start to take ownership as parents – the state doesn't have control of our kids, kids anymore. We're teaching them our values, our morals. It's not this woke agenda that's being pushed that's so nefarious, that's so insidious. Um, and it's all being done very intentionally. So if we can come back local, bring it home, start in our communities, start at a state level to make change and to really make impact, I think that that's how we win this spiritual battle that's happening. Yeah. You said something that stuck out to me. <clears throat> um, about your children being your purpose. You've got uh, your master's degree. Um, wh what did you do for a living? I was in sales. In sales, okay. So obviously you're a very successful individual. Why do you, do you think that that is true for, uh, for women in general that raising their children is, is their purpose, their truest purpose? What are your thoughts on that? I think it should be, but I think that we live in a society that belittles being a stay-at-home mom, right? Like you should have a purpose that's larger than just your family. You need to be defined as something more than just a mother. And language is being so manipulated in this day and age and it's being done so intentionally that motherhood, right? It's almost being, we're being erased as women. Motherhood, 
chest feeding, all these different things, because we, I think culturally, they really want to belittle us. And it's, we're being targeted, but we have to take that back because it's, there's so much power in being a mother. There's so much power in being a woman. And once we take ownership of that, um, I think that we, we can take back our kids. One of my favorite quotes, quotes <clears throat> is uh, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Yes. And uh, it's, it is inter interesting because there's, there's an attack on women, there's an attack on men, which is fascinating. Um, but the attack on women, it's like you see these men now who's saying, you know, dancing around and saying, oh, I'm having, a, you know, I'm, I'm having my first period. And, of course, <laughs> they're not having a period. But they're saying, I'm, I'm a woman, and this is what a woman does is she's, you know, and I'm dealing, you know, and I've, I've got blood. Oh, isn't this exciting? And I wear it, and I walk around and, and dance around in hills and act like an idiot, and I'm a woman, and look at me. And it's, like, so degrading to women. <laughs> right, right. It's so, And it's, like, where's the real, like, feminists, like, calling this BS out? <laughs> Right. Yeah. As if it's progress. Right. Right. As if we are making these great leaps as a society. And it's really sad, isn't it? They package it so beautifully, though. It's love and inclusivity. Yeah. Right. So if you want to be on the right side of history, of course, you're not going to push back. But we have to. Truth matters. Biology matters. Language matters. Um, and it's not hateful to say that. And I think that that's that manipulation and that sense of that propaganda that's being pushed is so intentional. Yes, it's actually, if I can add to that, yeah. uh, up at the legislature when they were discussing the ethnic studies uh, co uh, commission and the and the curriculum that has been uh, it's going to be instituted in our schools. Um, one of the state legislators, uh, Angela Romero, stated not once but twice that she firmly believes that hate is taught in the home. Kids are not learning hate at schools, but in the home. And so they have to go at the homes in order to get their agendas to pass. Basically. So I, I hope you guys can hit the rewind and, and listen to uh, what she just said, because that's Angela Romero. Yeah. State legislator. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> again, we're in Utah. Yes. You want to assume that your state representative, and I'll tell you, everyone knows, oh, you know, we know who Mike Lee is. We know, you know, who our, uh, you know, Romney or what a, you know, piece of work he is. Yeah. And you know, your, your federal reps, but what makes, what's far more important than your federal reps is your state reps. Your state reps make state law. You want to fix this country. Look, look at Florida. I mean, Florida is the model, right, for how to get your country back. It is you get control of your state. The Constitution gives the state all the authority lays to the state. The federal government should have no authority in our lives, n almost no impact in our lives. You want to fix the country, get get control of your state. Um, <clears throat> and yet, how many people know who their state reps are? Right. And I would challenge you to fig find out who your state reps are. Um, you can do it on our website, wherethepeople.org. You can write your reps. You can write your state reps. But they should know your name. And, and you should know their name, and you should be putting the hammer down on them to, to stand up for these issues. Because I'll tell you, we're going to go through in, in, in this radio show, we'll call out every stinking one of these reps because they're not above reproach. You know, the fact that they do work for the people and they need to be exposed when they're doing corrupt things. So I appreciate calling out Angela Romero. And for those in her district, you know, you need to remove her. Right. Yeah. That's your duty. It's one thing to say, oh, we want freedom and we got to fight for freedom. No, you know what? Freedom's great, but more important than freedom is responsibility and, and duty to preserve those freedoms for our children and grandchildren. 
So, so sorry for interrupting you, no, but uh, it's all good. but people need to understand that. So what anything else in Utah that uh, people should be aware of as far as the issues here in our backyard? I would say one of the biggest things we'll be looking at as far as, well, there's a lot, actually. There's a lot coming up. The legislative session will be starting in January, um, and you will see some rapid, massive efforts to transform, fundamentally transform education here in Utah. It's going to catch a lot of people by surprise because they haven't been, they, I think, you know, it's bad that we have porn in schools. It's bad that we have this gender ideology that's running rampant um, in our classrooms. Uh, so that is this, those are the sexy things. The, the parents tend to like focus on those things and, you know, want to do something about them because they are so blatant. They're so egregious. But as far as how the school systems work here in Utah, we're going to see a massive effort this next legis legislative session to totally shake things up, to turn things on their head. And it, again, it's like I said earlier, it's just the culmination of, of this end game to, to make sure that the state's power and control over our students is all encompassing. It is ever reaching and they're doing it through competency-based learning. This is a topic for another time because it requires a little delving into, but most of it is revolved around competency-based learning. It ties into school choice initiatives. It, it ties into the school accountability redesign that was um, that was working its way through the state board and now is trying to find a way to entrench itself through code at the legislative le level. Um, we're going to see a teacher evaluation redesign that is going to be kind of the same thing education will be unrecognizable at least um, according to how we've experienced it the schools will not be your grandmother's schools they will not be your mother's schools um, they and and parents will buy into it because as you said Jason we've got a culture that's really nice <laughs> we tend to trust authority we tend to be obedient and we really need to stop and question um, I believe it was a novel, uh, novelist, Alex uh, E. Harrow, who said something to the effect of, I wonder how much um, evil is allowed to run unchecked uh, just because it would be rude to interrupt it. Huh. And That's great. We need, to, we need to not only interrupt it, but stop it in its tracks. Yeah, how much evil has been done in the name of obedience? You like the you know what did you know the the, the Nazis? Yeah. You look at the the the, uh, the guards and the gulags in Russia and in China and all in all these tyrannical states. It's it was obedience that that was responsible for far more evil than disobedience. Obedience to God is a great thing, but when we translate obedience in gen just to, just to authority. That's terrifyingly dangerous, and we are in a state that values obedience and sometimes struggles to distinguish the the difference when obedient being obedient to God in your conscience and your soul versus being obedience to authority figures, and uh, and and it's look it's terrifying, and and I love that's why I love the mom army. It's because it, the, the army is we are it is a war. There is a war for our children. And if we do not stand up, our children will end up in, as slaves. And our children are depending on us. They are depending on us to preserve their freedoms, for us to, to defend them against these from our politics. It is from our politicians, from our, from the, from our you know these school boards, yes. from culture, from culture, from the media. From the media. 
from all these public-private partnerships. And look, yeah. you know what? The fact matters. Some people say, oh, I'd rather not. I don't want to get involved. I, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I'm not political. I don't want to, you know what? You're involved. We don't have a choice You, you are in, you, there is a war happening. And either you sit by and you allow this, your kids and our future and, and to, to be assaulted and, and this country to, to be overthrown or you stand up and fight. To sit silent is, is to allow evil to grow. And uh, so tell, tell me again, um, what, would you, what advice would you have for our, the, our mothers, the, the, the mothers, the women? Uh, what advice do you have for them? I would say a couple things. So first off, to piggyback on what you were saying, yeah. silence is compliance at this point. Silence is compliance. We can no longer just stay on the sidelines. We can no longer just be keyboard warriors. Uh, we have to step up, and our kids are depending on us, not just our kids, but our grandchildren. So if we don't really stay involved, stay active, stay aware, and advocate, and advocating is getting involved, right? Us knowing what's happening is not going to find a solution at this point. We have to push back against evil. We have to unite, and we really have to advocate for our children. Um, it's not going to stop. The attacks are so egregious. Everything's so sinister. And it's being done intentionally. So if we don't step up and fight back, they will continue to push. And if I can add to what Sheree yeah. just said, um, we have to anticipate. We have to anticipate what's coming down the pipe. We have to we have to be able to see it before it happens, mm -hmm. in order to know how to prevent or to address or to get to higher ground, whatever it takes. But we need to be—we need to stop taking things at face value. And in addition to anticipating, we need to be creating. We can't just—you know—we can't just be about well, everything's bad. Let's just tear it down. We are made in the image of God, and He is the ultimate creator. And therefore, we have to do our part to create these warm families that are sus truly sustaining. We have to create these warm relationships and friendships with other like-minded people who want the same things for their kids as we do. We want them to be free so they can make choices that are meaningful and purposeful um, and, and not have those choices co-opted or taken over for them by some government official who's six degrees, 16 degrees removed from the classroom. We just can't do that anymore. We can't turn over the keys to our kids. You know what's <clears throat> fascinating is just look what's going on right now in Brazil. And if, if, our, if our listeners haven't aren't, aren't aware, I you know watch we did a uh, a video yesterday a, sh a show with a gal from Brazil, two people from Brazil where they we, they broke it down and talked about what's happening there. And one of the things that was actually very profound, um, Cara, one thing she said is that um, Brazil, the reason because we said why are they in the streets? Because what they're experiencing right now is something similar to what we experienced January sixth. Their their elections are stolen. But they're in the streets in the millions. And it's just, and we're talking about the difference with Brazil, why they're fighting so hard, why they're in the streets, and, and we're not. And she said, we know what we're fighting for. And, and you know what she said they're fighting for? She says, we are the largest Christian nation. I, I never really thought about Brazil being spiritual, but she says, we are fighting to preserve you know, our faith in God. She says, we are fighting a religious war. 
She says, to us, this isn't left versus right. This is, this is good versus evil. We are fighting against abortion. We are fighting against homosexuality. We are fighting, and, and it's very blunt. In fact, she says, you know the difference between us and, and you guys are? She's like, she said, we don't give an F. She, said, I mean, she says, we're, we don't care about getting canceled. We are willing to lay it all down because we are fighting a battle of good and evil. And, you know, you remind me of that when you're talking about that, because that's ultimately what this is. And it's and, you know, I just hope that as as we have these, you know, conversations, as this content gets out, that people will recognize what this battle really is, because the only way we're going to fix this country is is not by sitting around and waiting till 2024 and saying, well, 2024, we're going to vote again. And uh, this time we'll get the good guys in. You know, the only way I mean, the fact of the matter is this country has I believe it's been taken over. I believe we've experienced takeover. I, there's no way in, in hell Biden got more votes than any president in history. There's no way. There's just no way. And I don't care what people are going to, how people are going to frame, you know, oh, election error. Yeah. You know what? I am absolutely denying it. It's, it's absolute BS. There's no way that what happened here in Utah, I mean, Utah is ranked in the very lowest in the, in the country. Um, by Hillsdale College for election integrity. There's no way every single America First candidate got shut down for the most part here in Utah. Um, we are in trouble. You know, uh, you know. Talk about democracy. This country, our our republic, has been taken over. You look at. I mean, going back. I mean, not just the last few years. The Federal Reserve. I mean, we have gone so far from what our founding fathers gave us. And we're not going to get it back at this point by hoping, you know, next election season we'll win it by at the ballot box. It will take what Brazil's doing. It will take mom army. It will take people going in the streets like we did to the Tea Party movement and being seen and saying we are not part of this. It will take leaders stepping up and people say, hey, I respect that person. That person's cool. They're standing up. You know what? I can stand up, too. It will take us having people with courage, but it's going to take the streets. It's going to take next legislative session. If you care about freedom, the call to action is next legislative session, starting the end of January over the next over those few months. This is our year to stand up. If this legislative session in Utah, we do not get our elections back under control, if we do not get our, our reps back under control, it is over. Yes. You want to know when is the time to stand and fight? It is now. It is coming up. It is next legislative session. So you can join the mom army. We're going to give you our her, the information about that in a minute. You can join different organizations. You're starting a new organization here pretty soon. Uh, not necessarily a new organization, but a, a platform, an educational platform to give parents the information they need to make informed decisions concerning their children and to hopefully help guide them to that higher ground. The name of the website is higherground.org. And that's you and Natalie Klein that are driving that. Yes. Okay, we're going to bring you guys on before, before the end of the year, early next year, and and uh, I wanna, I'd love to talk about that. But look, the people are here. This is, I, I honestly believe this is ground zero. We have some of the greatest darkness here, and we have the greatest patriots. And when we stand together... When we stand up and, and in the streets start pushing back, this there's no greater place to be alive than right here. So, um, tell us how tell our listeners how to get involved with uh, Mom Army. Yep, go ahead and jump on our website. It's www.mom-army.com. Uh, we have 25 battalions across the country and in Canada. We are launching next month. We need moms. We need allies. Uh, we need millions 
to step up on behalf of kids and their innocence. And we need 10,000 here in Utah. Absolutely. Do you guys have a goal for Utah? 10,000. There, there you go. There we go. 10,000. There you go. I 10,000 angry moms. We also have Let's a dad army. Dad army's coming up too. Well, on, honestly, I will tell you this. My heart goes out to the moms because the moms have given these guys hell. The moms have, the moms, without the, it has actually been all the moms standing up and fighting for our freedoms. And I got to tell you, the, the men just need a freaking slap in the face because the men need to stand up. Because when the men stand up, I will tell you, when, when the men stand up and say enough's enough, it will be game over real quick. And thankfully, at least we, we have the women leading the charge. But uh, Well, there are many good men standing behind us, too. But we need, but we need them yes. taking a bigger role, and absolutely. we need more of them. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Jason. Closing thoughts? No, I'm just excited to build a community here. Um, I think that we have so many warriors that are ready to protect their kids. So moms reach out. Um, we are ready to really step up to the face of evil. Yeah. It is honestly... There's not, I, I can't think of a better time to be alive. I mean, what a blessing to be alive. And in, 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 in these are the last days. Everyone knows it. And to be alive at a time when there is such evil out there, when there is such wickedness, when there is so much at stake. And what a blessing to be aware, to have our eyes open, to, to see what's really going on, and to be free to stand and fight it. Yeah. That's what I'm, I think is awesome, is that we can be amongst those who are standing up and fighting that fight, you know, in, in these times, and not those who are asleep, and not those who have, you know, seen dreams or vision or read about prophecies of these times, but to live and to fight in the greatest battle, I think, in the history of this world. So this is your fight. This is our fight. And uh, we know we're going to win. This is the battle of good and evil. We know who wins. The question is, what is our role going to be? Right. We're here for such a time as this. So yeah. let's figure it out. Amen. Folks, get involved. Join Mom Army. Um, yeah, stand and fight and, and get ready for next legislative session. We have to bring hell down on these politicians.